This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome, everybody. My name's Kevin. We are starting a brand new series today called How to Change Your Life. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look into uh, stories that God has been writing and telling through our church. And we're going to learn principles that God has placed in those stories that I think if we could learn them, would help transform our stories as well. You really don't want to miss a single week of this series. And just so you know, this is the last week before we kind of uh, get into our summer routine. Uh, we start, so we'll be in the series throughout the month of June and July. We're doing one of our favorite series throughout the whole year. We call it At the Movies. If you haven't been here for At the Movies, you don't know what you're missing. But if you've been here, you know it's an awesome, really wonderful, fun series that we do each year where we take films that are playing in theaters, we bring them in here and we preach them as modern day parables you don't want to miss it actually i mean we've got some great films this year the new independence day movies coming out this summer new star trek movies coming out this summer finding dory anybody excited about finding dory right where did she go i don't know she probably doesn't know right all right so just a few things going on um uh, for you that you would know after that uh just for tonight we have uh, one of my favorite nights of the year. We call it Vortex Church Family Prom. This, uh, this, really, this event was born out of me uh, thinking in the back of my mind, I think it would be really awesome if I could take my daughter to the prom before she ever goes to the prom with a date. I, I, I would love for her to be able to see how a guy should treat her, that a guy should open the door, that a guy should treat her with dignity and respect. And I thought, what if we could do this for our whole family, our whole church family? And so this idea was born, so we make it a prom experience. We hire a DJ, there's lights, there's dancing, all right? We have food brought in, and it's even fun for your kids because we, we bring in some inflatables so that they can have fun outside jumping around. All right, it's a ton, a ton of fun. All right, so it's tonight at 6 p.m. at the Senior Center, which is downtown. It lasts for about two hours. All right, we don't want you to miss out on that. It's going to be a ton of fun. We like to call it a party. Y'all like, if y'all grew up in church, y'all like to use the word fellowship, right? But we don't, we just say we're going to have a party tonight. All right, that's what that's all about. And then in two weeks from now, we're celebrating baptism. You don't want to miss out on baptism. Baptism, we're going to have that on Father's Day, so that's kind of a public service announcement. If you haven't prepared for Father's Day, you got two weeks left. All right, but that's on the way, and so what a powerful Sunday that's going to be. You don't want to miss out on that. And before I get started, let me give you just a couple of shout-outs that I just want to thank a few people. Uh, this week we had a few new people join in on our setup crew, and I talked to one of them this morning. He said, you know, it's really humbling to come in here and get to be a part of this and seeing how much work goes in to turning a movie theater into a church. And so I want to thank those guys that get here at 5.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, come in and help weeks, at least one week a month, come in and help set up and, and turn this place into that. It's an awesome, awesome thing. So if you're here, thank you so much. And also for another group, a, a group of volunteers that make a, a powerful difference, and that's those who serve in our kids' ministry. I mean, we each week have about 100 kids that come in here that are served. What, a, what an awesome opportunity to invest in the eternity of the next generation. We have a strong group of volunteers that help make that happen. So if you're here and that's you, I just want to say thank you, and thank you for, for giving your time and your effort and your energy to make a difference. So today as we get started in this series, I just kind of want to preface this series by talking about story. 
Because I think that if we really dive into this, you're going to see that there's some powerful things that connect us to story in, in, in the context of our lives. So let me just begin today by kind of exposing to you the truth that exists about your life stories. So number one, let me just say this. This is a point that I've preached a lot. I'm not going to lean into it as much today, but that our lives are a lot like a story. Our lives are a lot like a story. Now, what I mean by that is that if you look at a story, the characteristics of a good story mirror the characteristics of a good life, right? Our lives are often more defined by the conflict that we face than the comfort that we have. That's the same way that it is in the story, that our lives are defined by the character within us and the characters around us, just like a story is defined, all right? But I want you to do me a favor and just press pause on the movie that is your life right now. Just press pause. I want you to ask you this this very, very serious question. Is the way that this story appears to be ending the way that you want the story of your life to end? Like, are you leaving the legacy that you want to leave? Are you giving the way that you want to give? Are you loving the people that you love the way that you want to love them? If this story is going to play out the way that it started right now, are you happy if we press pause and it ends this way? Because for many of us, we're not. We're not happy with that. We're not satisfied with where we are. As a matter of fact, for many of us, we're sitting back going, you know what, I need a rewrite. I need this thing rewritten. I'm not real happy with where I see it going. God, I need you to step in and to rewrite my life. See, our lives are a lot like stories, but here's the thing about our stories. Number two, that our stories connect us to other people. Have you ever heard somebody that you just couldn't stand and they told a story and all of a sudden you hear them talking about their weaknesses and the things that they've struggled with and you go, gosh, I'm so much like them. You ever heard that before? That ever happened to you? It happens all the time. As a matter of fact, God designed you so that your story would connect with other people, and he has a plan for that. We see that plan in James 5, where the Bible says that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, we may be healed. Well, think about that with me. That the sharing of our stories... Being willing to say, I'm struggling with this, I'm going through this, I failed at this, and God showed up, and God intervened, and I got over it. Being able to share that brings healing. See, I think there are a lot of forgiven believers who are not healed because they're not willing to be vulnerable and honest about their stories. Because it's God's plan. It's God's plan that we share our stories and connect with other people, which leads me to point number three, that our stories are meant to be shared. They're meant to be shared. God designed all along that what he does in your life would be shared beyond you. And he's got several things that he wants to accomplish through that. We see the first one in Acts 1-8, where as Jesus is laying out the groundwork for his plan as he goes to heaven, he says, all right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness doesn't have to be an expert. A witness in in the context of of the Bible and our spiritual life does not have to be pastor, preacher, or prophet. All a witness does is tell their story. 
And God says, my plan for redemption hinges on you sharing your story. It hinges on that. You're going to be my witnesses. And as you talk about what I've done in your life, people are going to sit back and go, oh, wow. I connect to that. I, feel, I, I see myself inside that story a little bit. And through that, God is going to enable you and them to overcome. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 12, 11. This, if, if there's anything that should blow your mind, it's this. All right, look at They triumphed over him. They, start. they is the church, us. Believers and followers of Jesus, they triumphed over him. The him being the accuser, right? Our enemy, the adversary, the, the Satan who started this massive counterattack against the kingdom of God. They triumphed over him by one, the blood of the lamb, and by two, the word of their testimony. Let me just say this today. There are some of you who are not living victorious because you have experienced the blood of Jesus, but you have yet to share your story. And it's in the sharing of our story, the word of our testimony that we find power to overcome. When we're willing to be vulnerable and honest and say, I didn't have it all together. And I'm so thankful that we have four people, four families over the next four weeks who have been willing to be vulnerable and honest with us and share their stories. And see, I think that when we listen to people's stories, there's a couple things that can happen. One is that sometimes we hear a story when we go, God, I'm so glad I'm not like them. That ever happened to you? It's called pride, okay? That's what that is. And that's an ugly thing. But then sometimes we look at a story and we say, I can never be like that. That can never be me. That's pride too, guys. When we look at a story through humility, something powerful happens. And we go, that could be me. That is me. And I watch you learn. And as I watch you learn, I learn. And as I listen to your story and how you overcame, it helps me overcome. See, that truth is something that has been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, we've sung songs before that celebrated the stories of other people. And so as we get ready today to hear from my friends Derek and Holly as they share their story, I thought it would be fun to sing a hymn that many of us grew up singing if you went to church a song that was written by a lady. Her name was Fanny Crosby. It's really awesome to have the name Fanny. I don't know if you're like me, but every time I hear her name, I want to laugh a little bit. She went blind when she was six weeks old. Blind. And I don't know if you realize, but over a hundred years ago, blind people were not considered an asset. They were considered a liability. She eventually went to college. And in college, she met a musician who was also blind. They fell in love. She became one of the most prolific hymn writers of her generation. And in the story of this song, a friend of hers came in and played her a melody on the piano. And she knelt down in that moment 
began to pray. When she got up, she asked him to play it again, and she sang the words to this hymn. And this hymn has been sung now for decades, and when we sing it, we don't sing it as her story. We sing it as our story, because it is our story. So as we sing this song together, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but if you know it, you can sing from your seats. And as we watch the stories over the next few weeks, I want you to understand, it's not just their story, it's our story. Turn me on. There I am. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood, perfect submission, all is ours. I am my Savior, I'm happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, and lost in His love. So this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. And that first verse, that's our story. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation and purchased of God, born of His Spirit and washed in His blood. Amen. So watch this story, and then I'll be back to close it out. Let me just remind you of something that's so important. I want you to hear this. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Looking at a family who's been radically changed by the grace of Jesus just because a sister was willing to in, just kind of persistently invite. All right? And then they come and they experience the power of God. So what I want to do is I want to use their story as a platform for us to understand how if we're in that position, if we press pause in our life right now, we know God. God, I need a rewrite. 
God, I need you to come in and help me rewrite the story that I'm living right now. I want you to see a few keys that come out of their story today that are so important for us to know. These are in your notes. The first thing that I would tell you is that our lives are not changed by what we know. Our lives are not changed by what we know. You, you have experienced this before. If you haven't, it's coming up one day. You're going to pull up. This is a real story too. You're going to pull up to the line to come pick up your kids. You're going to notice that the principal's out there with your kid. Walk up real slow. Um, I just want to let you know we have a problem with Johnny a few minutes ago. What What happened? What ha- What'd he do? What'd he do? Well, Johnny pulled so-and-so's pants down in front of everybody. Johnny, you know better than that. You know better than that. You ever said that to your kids? You know better than that? You ever said it to yourself? You know better than that? I think that we see that tension of I know better. We find it in a verse that we've preached on quite a bit over the last few weeks, but I just want to bring it up and let you see it. Romans 7, 15, the Apostle Paul said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Let me translate the, the Kevin Simmons version. Of, of that verse. I'm going to translate it for you and let you see. Look at this. I don't really understand what I do for I know what the right thing to do is but I don't do it. Instead, I do what is wrong. I know the right thing. You ever been there? You know the right thing to do? You know what you should do but you don't do what you know. You see, our lives are not changed by what we know simply, which is why many of us have interpreted the gospel as God just wants you to know him. No, he doesn't. He doesn't just want you to know him. As a matter of fact, the knowledge of God can lead to something desperately more difficult if we don't engage in a relationship with God. Because knowing is not enough to change our life. You've experienced this before. How many of y'all know complaining isn't good for you? It gets your mind off of what you should be thinking about starts thinking about your problems instead of thinking about the solution and the one who can change everything. But let me just challenge you to do this. Spend 48 hours without complaining. I mean, seriously, take this challenge. 48 hours without, and let me define complaining for you because some of y'all are going to be like, I'm just talking right now. I'm just, I just want to talk about things. Let me define what complaining. Complaining is having a conversation about something negative that you have no power to change or address. You know what's going to happen? You take that challenge when you leave here today, 10 minutes from now, you're going to be thinking, God, I'm complaining already. No, I'm not supposed to do that. Right? And it, it happens It happens in the way that we parent, too. You ever get mad at your kids? You're like, I know, and you know what's right. See, the problem is not that our kids would know what is right and wrong. The problem is that our kids would buy into what's right. That's what we want. We don't want just for them to know the difference. We want them to buy in that their hearts would be invested on the right side. So a lot of times we mess it in parenting or mess up in parenting when we try to parent their behaviors instead of parenting their hearts. It's not just about what they know. It's about what they believe. And then we do this in our relationships, don't we? 
You ever get mad at your spouse because they know something that they should do? Why won't you put the toilet seat down? You need to put the toilet seat. I've told you, you know this. Why did you leave me stranded and taken hostage to a toilet without toilet paper? I've told you before, if you use the last little bit of toilet paper, you replace the roll. You know it. You know what you're supposed to do, and you don't do it. Right? You ever been there? What happens, in, especially in marriages, is that when we are dealing with knowing, we start nagging. When we are living in a knowing way, you know better than this. And we think that if we can just adjust what they know, we can adjust what they do. It doesn't work that way. Because our behaviors are motivated by something much deeper than what we know. And as a matter of fact, when we know and we don't respond, this is the second thing in your notes. Knowing without responding always creates distance. Let me just give you a scenario. Maybe you've been here, maybe you're not. This is kind of something that would happen in our family. That I would show up at home, walk in, and there's my wife, and she would say, Kevin, I've had a really difficult day. I need your attention tonight. I need to be around you tonight. I just need, I need to feel loved and I need you to be close to me. And I would say, that's awesome. I'm going to do that, but I got to mow the grass first. Just give me, give me an hour. I'm going to go mow the grass and I'll be right back in. I go out and mow the grass, come back in. It's not an hour, it's two hours. And I get back in. I'm like, oh man, she cooked. That's awesome. I'm going to eat, but I need to clean those dishes up that you left behind. So let me go clean those up. Oh, I need to take a shower. I'm going to take a shower. Now I'm, now I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. I love you, baby. I'm going to bed. What happens in her heart? Does she feel closer to me or does she feel further away? See, when I don't respond to her, the lack, the knowledge possessed without responding to it creates distance. And the same thing happens with us and God. When we know what God wants us to do and we look at God and say, mm, no. I know you, I know all about you, and I know what you would want me to do, but no, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to navigate life on my own. No, God, it begins to build distance between us. I want you to see this. This is so important, that God is not as concerned with your understanding as he is with your obedience. God is not as concerned with your understanding as he is with your obedience. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I want a God that I don't understand. I want a God that occasionally would tell me to do something that makes no sense. It happened to me yesterday. I was in the shower. God speaks to me in the shower. Has it happened to anybody else? I was in the shower and I felt God say, you need to go to your wife, you need to tell her something. And I don't know if it's just the fact that I'm naked or whatever's going on in that moment. But I was like, God, this is stupid. This is, there's no way in the world that you want me to tell my wife this. And it was really strong. I felt like the Lord wanted me to. So I went out. We were in a car headed to breakfast. I looked over and I said, all right, you know me and you know I don't say this a lot, but I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And I told her and she started crying. She said, you know, I've been, I've been hearing God say that to me, but I've been wrestling with that. 
I've been wrestling. I didn't want it. And I felt like it was just me. But now I can see that that's God speaking to me. See, I want a God that tells me to do stupid things. Things that don't make under sense. Things that I don't understand. Things that in my mind seem foolish. Because I want a God that's smarter than me. I want a God that's bigger than me. I want a God that I don't understand, that I'm not in control of. And so many of us are sitting back. We know what God wants us to do, but we don't understand it. We know God said, go forgive your enemy. Go forgive your enemy. And we say, no, God, I want to hold a grudge. That's what we do. We hold grudges. God said, no, go forgive. God says, I want you to give 10%. If you'll give 10, I'll bless the other 90%. You'll have more. No, no, God, I'll have less. I will have given you 10%. I will only have 90% of what I had up front. How is that more, God? See, I want a God that asks us to do something. I want you to get something about understanding. Too often for us, understanding often comes on the backside of obedience. Understanding comes on the backside of obedience. You won't understand it up front. If you're in here and there are families in here that you've started tithing in the last year, up front you look at it and go, there's no way in the world that makes sense. And after you've been tithing for six months to a year, you go back and you go, how in the world did you do that, God? How? This is amazing. Because God is smarter than you. Isn't that a good thing to know today? That God is smarter than me. He's smarter than you. He's bigger than us. His plans are better than any plan we could ever come up with. And God wants something far beyond what you can understand for you. So if we're really going to get this started and let God change our lives, it all starts with this. This is number three in your notes. That life change always starts with surrendering to Jesus. Life change always starts when we surrender to Jesus. So I'm going to go through very quickly and give you three things that I see out of the story that Derek and Holly told to us that we need to know. We need to know about surrendering. And the first thing that we need to surrender in our lives is we need to surrender our hearts. Many of you have surrendered your heads. You've said, God, all right, I believe. I believe. Yeah, sounds right. You made the world. Yeah, Jesus is real. Yeah, sounds good. Jesus died for us, yeah. But you haven't surrendered your heart. And see, it's in our hearts that our life flows out. It's in our hearts that our actions, our beliefs are held, and they become what we do. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 4 would say it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What is happening, the beliefs that are held deeply in your heart, are what become what you do. And if you're not surrendering your heart, to Jesus, your head will never overrule your heart. The second thing that we need to surrender is we need to surrender our will. There's many of us who have said, God, it sounds like a good thing, but, but I'm going to wait on trying that. That forgive your enemies things. God, that sounds, I'm, I really like it when the people who I've offended forgive me, but I don't really want to offend the people or forgive the people who have offended me. I don't want to turn those tables. But when we 
surrender our will and say, God, I'm not going to do this my way anymore. As a matter of fact, God, I'm going to let you come in and lead me. I'm going to let you help me say no to things so that I can press pause like Derek said in the video. Press pause and just pause in life so that we can spend time with family. I'm going to surrender my will to you, God, so we can be like Holly who said, you know what, I've never stood in front of a group of people and led them before, but God, here I am, use me. Help me lead this group of crazy kids. Surrender our will. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way. I am the way. Let me just help you understand something. If there's a way that you're considering, a way that you're trying to talk yourself into, or a way that you're living that you know is counter to the way that God wants you to live, if you're going a way that's different than the way Jesus wants you to go, you're going the wrong way. And you need to surrender your will to God. And lastly, we need to surrender our lives. In that verse in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am. If there's anything in your life right now that you've created an idol to say, that's life, and it's not Jesus, more money, that would be life. Right? More friends, that would be life. If I could just get my together... That would be life, right? So I love the vulnerability of Derek and Holly who said, you know, everybody looked at us on the outside and they didn't know that behind the scenes we were just overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed. Nobody knew that. And the first time that they came to visit, Holly raised her hand and said, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. And then a couple of weeks later, Derek is here and Derek says, I can't, I can't not be a part of this anymore. That's me. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. You see, when you make that decision and you choose to look at Jesus and say, I'm, start, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of trying to debate who's going to get this, this kind of victory today, me or you. I'm, I'm just giving it to you. I'm surrendering. Take my life, God, and use it. When you do that, God changes everything let's pray God we just thank you that you're the kind of God who won't let us go that you're so faithful you hold us in your hands and God when when times are difficult when we're facing the battles of our lives we can experience the love of God this love that you have for us And many of us today are coming in having faced difficult situations. And for some of us, I think today might be that moment where we realize that we have not surrendered to you. That that our relationship with you has not bypassed our head and entered into our hearts. And today, God, it's our prayer that in this moment, we would let go and surrender. So with every head bowed, Every eye closed. Nobody getting up. Let me ask you this question today. Are you here today? And you know that you need to surrender. Today you've been that person. Maybe you've been living by what you know. You've been living by something that is far different than something that you believe in. 
You've been trying to check off a, a list of do's and don'ts. And you know that God doesn't want you to live simply by your head. He wants to live from your heart. And that God has asked you to do things that you don't understand. Maybe today is the day that you stay and say, God, I just surrender. Take my life. Lead it on. If you're here today and you know you need to surrender, raise your hand right now. Who else? Who else? Hands all over the place. Who else today? Let me ask you another question. I want you to answer this honestly. If you're here today and you know that your relationship with God needs to bypass your head and get into your heart, that there are things that God has asked you to do and you know, you know them, but you haven't acted on them. And you know that today God's asking you to respond to them. If that's you today and you just want to just say, hey God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Raise your hand right now. God, I'm going to do it. I know you've asked me to do that. I've ran from it. I haven't been doing it, but I'm going to do it today. Amen. So God, we just stand before you. And we thank you that you are a loving and kind and gracious God. The kind of God that doesn't leave us alone. God that comes when we need you the most, just like this moment. And you take our sin and our failure and you redeem us into something that is far beyond what we could ever be. God, thank you for asking us to do crazy things. Thank you for using us. And God, thank you for saving us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.